0: this morning you look like a pirate the next day you know when you go somewhere (laughs) and so they took the patch off and then the eye only saw clouds (laughs) it was very blurry and cloudy and I couldn't remember the last surgery if it was that cloudy but uh, then I went home after we ate breakfast and started to just sit there and relax and put on the TV for a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden it started clearing up by about 3 o'clock. It was cleared up to where I can see pretty good. But it's still got to keep getting better. Got to take drops three times a day. But those are going to make it better because it has swelling, you know, around it. But uh, anyhow... We're talking about inner healing of broken hearts. How many of you have ever had a broken heart at one time or another? Amen. Well, I tell you, the Holy Spirit's work is so powerful. And He can go right in and and find that spot inside of your heart, your inner man, and identify what it is, when it happened, And exactly where it's at in you, so that you can be healed. You know, like I said before, uh, a wound, well, you throw salt in a wound, it hurts, I mean to tell you. But uh, if it's healed already, it's just a scar. You know, a scar doesn't hurt, you know, you have a memory of the wound, and that's why God wants to heal you to where all you have is a scar in that situation or that from that hurt and that it doesn't cause you grief anymore. In fact, you can talk about it. I remember running across a neighbor's yard and jumped the fence. There was a post and it had a nail like that hanging. You know, it was like doing the high hurdles. You know, I jumped the fence and... I don't know if it's because I grabbed some green apples and I shouldn't have. I was probably about eleven years old, ten years old at the time, but I could really jump, so I jumped that fence. But that nail got a hold of my arm, and and I mean, just like that. And so I have a scar from that. It it healed up eventually, but at the time it was pretty sore. You know, when a nail gets you and it could have been a rusty nail, it could have got infected. But it hurts, you know, at the time. And if you get it infected, then it continues to hurt. And the devil wants to use that hurt, you know, uh, to cause you havoc, cause you to be fearful. You're timid because you no, don't don't do that. I remember a dog that had been kicked I guess or something uh, and it was at the house on the river is at the, the elderly Bowles house, John and Ella Bowles we rented it for a while when we were at Grace Methodist down by Black River right there on the corner and uh, that dog couldn't bark being kicked in the throat he had no voice box and and so I'd go to pet him, and he'd shy away. See, the people who lived there before just left him. So I inherited a dog that I didn't want. But I felt sorry for him. So, you know what? I'd sit there, and I'd let him come close, and eventually he had let me pet him. And then I began to pray for him that God would heal that wound of his voice box. I'd pray God let this dog bark, let him be a regular dog, and I'd go inside, come out. He lived outside. We'd throw him some scraps or food out there. And and it started getting cold, and there was I'd bought some wood, and because there was a fireview wood stove in that house, and and so I went out to get some wood to stock there by the stove. When I walked out there and I picked some of that wood up. And, you know, I had on my pajama pants and my house shoes and in my T-shirt. That dog started barking, and it scared me. And I jumped and dropped all the wood. And I said, you rascal. But then I rejoiced. I said, thank you, God, you healed him. He's He's able to bark again. So, anyway, God even cares about animals. I don't know if you believe that, but I believe it. And that dog could bark after that. But we need to be healed of some of these hurts on the inside. And let's look at Isaiah sixty one. Should be up on the screen. Pastor Ken, you get your mic ready. That way I won't have to keep turning around. My eye's getting better, but still it's got a little bit of swelling in it. So I can't really mess with it, you know. I can see out of it, but I gotta let it get better. So you go right
1: ahead and help me out. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Amen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified.
0: Yeah, he wants you to grow into a powerful tree so you bear fruit, you know, and you got to go through these things, you know, if you're going to get there. Beauty for ashes. How many felt like you are your life was just burned down. And then God restores you. And he brings back to you different things. You know, uh, Well, I've got so many stories in the back of my mind from people over the years that had struggles and whatnot. But, you know, there's just stories you would not believe. I'm here to tell you. I had... People tell me things that could only be in a movie or in one of those shows, crime shows on TV. But, you know, the Holy Spirit works with you, and you help them, and they can come out of it, no matter how bad it was, no matter how it seemed. God can identify things and bring them along. And so... I think I told you about one of the guys that came to church with us. but I want to retell that story again. And it was a situation. We'd had Dale Sides and he had had us going through steps about inner healing and praying for people to be healed on the inside. Chelsea had the little baby, by the way, if you're going to check. They got it under control. Anna's one of our children's church leaders, and she's ready to be Johnny on the spot, weren't you? Go help out. But uh, thank you, Jesus. But anyway, this guy, he, when I prayed with him in the VA hospital, he was sick physically. And it's funny because after we prayed and had the breakthrough, He got better physically in a matter of a couple of days. You just don't realize how much the internal messes up your external. But as I prayed with him, I said, let's go back, let's see. And by the way, he's deceased now. I can talk about him, uh, you know, without divulging something. But I said, let's pray. And when we prayed, I said, I want you to tell me what the Holy Spirit is showing you. And he said that he was standing outside his house just like this. And I said, Well, what was going on? He said, When I was 12 years old, I left for school. He had a stepdad and a mom and a couple of brothers and sisters. Maybe they were half brothers or something. But he was not the stepdad's biological son. And he went to school and came home that afternoon at 12 years old, and they had moved. I mean, all the furniture was gone. They were gone. And here's this 12-year-old boy, abandoned and rejected. Okay? And I said, well, what did the Holy Spirit show you when he showed you this memory While I was praying for you He said I saw an angel Standing there with me And I said well God was showing you that you were not alone And that he was with you And You know that he said he stayed In in an abandoned car For a couple of nights Went to school and then one of his pals From school's mom found out And she invited him to move in With them and so she took care Of him for a while until he got older and he he became a biker and, and was into all kinds of stuff but he came back to the Lord and he came along when we first started the church and he helped me build out some of the rooms that we used for various ministry in the old you know it was right there on Ditch Road in the storefront and we rented three different areas and we started the church there and he helped me and he was a part of us. And uh, I liked him. He was a likable guy. But uh, he ended up having a heart attack and dying. And that was very sad. But he, he received some healing on the inside. And then he got better on the outside. You know, whatever he was in the VA hospital for, he got out. And sometimes you can be healed of something internally and whatever the infirmity was or is that tries to grip you, let's go. And so he was delivered because of that prayer. And so you can do so also. Luke four eighteen nineteen restates what we read, but let's read it again
1: just to reaffirm in our hearts. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. He didn't say
0: the day of the vengeance of our God. I'll restate that again also. That is not until the end, even though in Isaiah it says, and the day of the vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't come to judge the world when he came and walked the earth. He came to be like us and identify with us and to suffer things like we do. And then he came to be nailed to the cross for uh, the redemption of our souls from sin, took those sins upon himself, the punishment, and to be resurrected. And then the day of the vengeance of our God's going to come on down the road. He wants you to understand he's not out to get you. Amen. Oh, yeah, he wants to get you for his kingdom. But he's not out to get you because you're a bad person. He's not there to judge you. Not yet. One day we'll all be judged. You know, man, woman, black, white, whatever. You are whatever you look like. Everyone will be judged one day. But not right now. Now, we are to judge ourselves. And we are to judge in the church if there is an issue or a problem. We have to make judgments based upon behavior sometimes to help bring somebody in line with what the Word says. You know, that's called discipline or correction. It's not called destruction. But when the vengeance of our God comes, there will be destruction of people's lives. They'll be terminated to hell or to the lake of fire one day because they just wouldn't accept God's healing, His salvation, His deliverance. It's amazing to me that people won't accept what's freely given, but it's paid for. It wasn't just a freebie. It is something that Christ Jesus paid for with his own blood, for our benefit. Now, there's some points I want to talk about. Number one, we need to understand our traumas, how it occurs, where it resides, and what remedy we need to cure it. You know, there are different things. Uh, I was around Teen Challenge for a little while. Uh, I worked in North Carolina two summers, and my brother was the Teen Challenge director. He uh, remodeled that center to where it would hold 54 men, and they had quite a few men there eventually, and he also began to pastor a church. But Teen Challenge was, at that time, a great rehabilitation center for drug addicts and alcoholics, and there were people that would come in there, and you know what? Sin... And strongholds do not respect people's status. They had people that had come from rich families and people that had come from the streets. See, the devil does not respect if you've got a father that was a judge. You know, uh, I remember we had a guy come to church here for a little bit. He was actually, I think, at the probation pro for a little bit, but anyway, he may be watching that. He watches me quite often, but God has rebuilt his life. But his dad was a congressman, and yet he had gotten on alcohol and drugs. He actually went through your agency for a while, Lucia, and he took a liking to me. I don't know why I'm so likable. Some people don't like me at all, but a lot of people just like me. I'm a likable guy. And he took a liking to me. He needed somebody that was a father-type figure that would speak the truth in love, not out of anger or intimidation or frustration, but to speak the truth in love. Zach touched on that Sunday morning in his message, grace and mercy. You know, we got to have a heart that understands that people are... They're clay. They're not robots. They're human beings that need a little understanding. But we need to have a little understanding of ourselves. we got to understand what made us make some decisions that we make. Where did it start? You know, I told you about how Miriam Passmore's her situation started because her drunken uncle raped her at nine years old. And then, you know, she ends up in our church one day after being a a gay performer and uh, lesbian of the year or whatever. And she came to our church because she got saved, led to the Lord by a guy at the power plant. And, you know, then she came to our church. We did deliverance over her. And God revealed certain things. But, you know, deliverance is like cleaning out the bucket. But you still have a bucket, and that bucket's got some scratches in it, maybe. Maybe it's even got some paint on the inside of it and needs to be chipped off or something. That's kind of like the things that are inside of us that mark us. The devil wants to mark your life for destruction. He wants to mark you for failure. He wants to make it look like you can never change. But God's word says you can be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The word of God can change you. You do not have to be the same person that everybody thinks you are. It's not a terminal sentence. Uh, In other words, you can be changed and you can be delivered out of darkness into his marvelous light, is what Peter wrote. You know, God wants you to see the light. He certainly does. Now, there are many negative stories I could tell you. Miriam's was a positive story because in the end of her uncle's life, she saw him on his deathbed, told him she forgave him. This is like 45, 50 years later. And led him to Jesus. And then the family, he told the family he wanted her to do his funeral. And so it went from the guy that destroyed her, it seemed like, all the way up to God had redeemed her. And then he was led to the Lord. Don't you know that's going to be a great reunion one day? You know, I've shared something about my father at times. Uh, He was a genius level IQ. Brilliant and very talented. Randy, he could sing above high C in his natural voice. I mean, his throttle was full blast. I mean, whew, man. He had an awesome voice. Uh, but yet he had a breakdown, and that breakdown caused him to be eventually go to the mental hospital and being called manic-depressive or bipolar with a schizophrenia associations in there and and delving back into his life when he was four years old he caught the barn on fire and everybody went out in the middle of winter when it was so cold and snow on the ground and tried to put out the fire and after that fire and the cold weather the family trying to deal with it his mother contracted pneumonia and died of pneumonia when he was four years old. And there's a lot of legalism in our families growing up and religious religiosity. But it made my dad feel like he was responsible that he had killed his mom. And so, see, you go back to the very thing point where, and you know, I'm talking about what psychologists and psychiatrists pulled out in the interviews. He felt guilty for her death at four years old, and it affected him all the way up. And he always had issues. It's so, is like a, what would you call it? A, anyway, uh, it was opposites. He. Got saved under a woman preacher, and yet he seemed to always have issues with women trying to take over authority. Or he felt like they were. And so he he had trouble. But because of his condition, my mom had to be the leader in the home. She had to take care of the family. And I'm just opening up to you a little bit to show you that people can be damaged. He was an awesome man of God, really he could quote scriptures faster than any preacher can read it and sing and man if i'd have just got just that much of his talent i, I may have been a singer instead of a preacher yeah i'm glad zach got some of his grandmother's talents because he can play the instruments you know he can sing too but i have never heard him singing over, above high sea yet <laughs> there's nobody else in our family that ever did that uh... So it's amazing, but yet nobody could help him because they didn't understand trauma, it seemed like. Only the world. The world, by the way, when they do things, do you know they try to kind of duplicate or replicate what God's way is? I mean, the Holy Spirit. You know, the world tries to hypnotize you or put you in a situation or, Give you a certain drug, so maybe they can get you in a state where you can tell these things. And yet, then the Holy Spirit comes along and reveals things without drugs and all that. You know, it's amazing. But the world will try to replicate what word of knowledge and word of wisdom can do. Uh, you know, God gives me words for people many times. Word of knowledge, along word of knowledge is about the past or the present word of wisdom is about the future so when you get them together boom it's about what happened what's happening and what will happen And that's really an awesome gift when God demonstrates it and it it never ceases to amaze me that I can be a part of it or Pastor Ken or Sister Virginia or Lucia as a counselor the Holy Spirit uses her I'm sure but many people, that you, it's kind of like you get a reading on something and it's the Holy Ghost showing you and it opens up people's eyes, it opens up their hearts. You know, uh, we can say things by the Holy Spirit and I mean to tell you, people just open up and start crying and they realize God cares that much for them that he would show a spiritual person what is wrong with them and uh, you know it's, it's just amazing to me but you got to understand the trauma that caused you to be in the state you are and then the behavior that takes place you know every one of us have something inside of us it's just did we get somebody to help us to get it out And we can. You can get help. Uh, Brother Hank, he did the teaching training on Sozo ministry, they call it. It was something that was created or it was, I guess, modeled out of the Bethel Church in California system. And yet they have ancient path that the church where I preached a revival in Pensacola, they used what they called the ancient path. There's many different... Uh, ministries that are very similar where they'll sit down with you and show you certain things i had a, a young man bring his parents in to see me and he he was a minister and he wanted to know if i could talk to his dad because his dad was having reoccurring nightmares the same nightmare over and over now i don't know if anybody wants to you know let me know have y'all ever had the same nightmare before? <coughs> well, that's that's the enemy trying to put you in a corral and lock the gate so that you can't get out of it. And it's kind of like a time warp. But this man was having this nightmare, and I won't go into what it was that he saw every time he had the dream, but then he'd wake up in a cold sweat and just... His heart palpitating, and and he couldn't go back to sleep. So it was robbing him of his rest and his sleep. And so I was there, and I began to prod a little bit, ask some questions, and then I I told him some things I felt like the Lord showed me, and I said it had something to do with one of your siblings, and it was a brother. See, the Holy Spirit spoke that time. Sure enough. He had a a brother that he felt responsible for that was like mentally handicapped. And so he had to, you know, help watch him and take care of him. But I don't know what happened, but the brother got in a circumstance and it killed him. He died. And he felt like he should have been there, but he wasn't. I think he was either in school or working a job then, and he felt guilty. See, the enemy's always trying to bring condemnation and guilt, even if it wasn't your fault. You know, my dad didn't kill my grandmother. He might have accidentally got the barn on fire, but the pneumonia didn't come because he accidentally got the barn on fire. I don't even know if that just accentuated a sickness she already had. You know, but you know that's what he thought. So he went through his whole life thinking that he had killed his mother. By that, Well, this guy was having trouble because he thought that he had maybe been part of why his brother died. He wasn't there to help him and take care of him. And so once I prayed over him and, and God revealed some things, he was set free and he never had the nightmare ever again. See, God can go in and point out what it is. I mean, when you're desperate enough, you'll come forward, or by coming forward, I'm talking about coming to somebody and saying, I need help, this is what's happening. And so when that goes on, then you're led as a leader or Holy Spirit-filled counselor or whatever to pray with that person and find out what the Holy Spirit's showing them. But we've got to find out where this lives inside of us. Does it live in your memories when you were six years old or twenty? You know, there are things that you did when you were maybe a young person that the devil would still try to bring guilt against you. And uh, there's when things happen like this man I was telling you about, he he would never commit. I think he might have gotten married once, but it didn't last very long. But, and he was up in his 40s, late 40s, and he could never have a long relationship with a woman. He could never commit to marriage. And some of it was because he had a fear of abandonment. And so he was afraid if he got close to somebody that they would just go away. They would abandon him and uh, those are the biggest issues fear of abandonment rejection, fear of rejection you know why do we do what we did sometimes in school I was I was bad in school I acted up I talked too much my teachers made me sit up front next to their desk, two or three of them did to where I couldn't sit next to another child And so then I'd just make faces when she didn't know. It was bad. Thank God I grew up. Now God uses my ability to talk for good. But, you know, it was was not for good. I, I feared rejection. That's why I wanted to make fun and have fun and make people laugh. That way they'd like me. You see, when you have this fear, you can't really be who God wants you to be. I liked music, but I had a tough time singing specials. I would go ahead. I loved to try. When I was a young preacher, not married, I'd sing a song when I'd travel and preach. And, you know, I don't have a bad voice. It's not the best voice, but I can carry a tune. So I would sing a song sometimes, and I enjoyed it. But I had fear a little bit of rejection. And so... You know, what does God do? He puts me in a church in Papa Bluff, Missouri and, and, and when I was associate pastor and over the Christian school and he makes me be the worship leader for a year. And I had to get over fear of rejection. You know, it's just the way it was. I had to do my best to lead worship and so I got over, you know, being afraid of it. And Randy, you probably can't believe I was ever afraid to get up and sing or talk or anything. But I was. I was afraid to get up there and sing. So I had a few events happen, like the time I bent over and split my pants and I had to say, everybody, lift your hands and close your eyes. The pastor's coming now. And I walked out and went home and changed my clothes. You know, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but you have these fears come up. So, where are they coming from? Well, when I was younger, a child, I had to sing the baby's part, the little kid's part, on songs with my family. I didn't like that. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands. And then I had to sing the part, he's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. You know, I hated it. I'd try to tell them, they'd say, no, that's your part. you got to sing it. It's like, oh my god. It made me never want to sing. Yeah. But that's the kind of things that happen that cause, you know, feelings and emotions to come about. Now, I'm gonna try to go a little quicker. But we got to find a way to cure that trauma from hindering us anymore. And there's many different things that can be done. You know, we can pray, we can have God remove it, the memory of it being a torment anymore. That's the best thing. And then we can put mentors in the path of people so that they can become, you know, what they feared. And God can do that. Anyway, number two, we have to prepare for the Holy Spirit ministry to remove that trauma out of our lives. How do we do that? Well, we have to get desperate enough to let somebody in. We have to tell them what has happened to us. And that's tough. I've had people tell me things that they didn't want to tell nobody because it was horrible. You know, and yeah, uh, you know, I had so many... <laughs> you know it's just flooding my mind right now and things that I probably shouldn't say but I had a lady thought she had run over a man one day you know he was a drunk but she felt like she heard this bump bump and thought she had killed him the ambulance came carried him off he was dead she thought maybe she killed him I said he was probably already dead when I talked to her I said he was probably already dead I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit's showing me He was laying in the street because that was it. And uh, I said, you go go confessing to the police that you killed somebody. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? I'm not saying she should or shouldn't exactly, but I said, don't go confessing something you don't even know is true. You don't even know if you ran over him. That could have been a bump in the road. It wasn't even him. Anyway, she was just sure. She was traumatized by it. And I prayed over her. And then it came out that he had been dead for like 12 hours. already. So even if she did run over him, he was already dead. Laying in the road, she didn't see him. But uh, anyway, it, it helped her. But we had to prepare for the Holy Spirit. And when we pray for people, for him to do the surgery, you know, to go into your heart. And some people call it counseling. Uh, I'd rather call it, you know, just deliverance. Delivering a person out of that place of darkness and bring it into the light, you know. The third thing, the, wor- the world has often used that same, the same methods to heal as the Spirit does. I mentioned that already. But they do. They try to do the same techniques that the Holy Spirit uses. And they mimic it sometimes. And so sometimes counseling is not a bad thing, even if it's a secular counselor. But they can only bring you so far. They miss the third part. We are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So when you don't have the spirit involved, you're not going to be totally healed. You need all three parts touched. And so... Number four, we have to go back in our memories and retrace what happened to us and let go and let God remove the pain from the complicated contents of the heart, even though the soul is still very simple. Sometimes the things that have tormented us are complicated. You know, that's why you've got to go back and retrace through what what happened to me. When I was a kid, you know, and sometimes God's done that and out of it, you get liberation because you learn the truth about something and, uh, you know, good or bad, you learn the truth and the truth, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It never said set you free. People quote that wrong all the time. It says, it shall make you free. That means to manufacture your freedom. Help you to come through the process to come out of the danger zone. Now it says whomever the Son sets free is free indeed. So Jesus is the one that sets people free. But it's the truth, that's the process that brings you through to be free and healed. Amen? But sometimes we've got to go back in those memories and find out what's wrong. And it's hard. We can pray in a general sense, and many of you can have a memory come back to you. Uh, But it's hard to do that in a big group of people. God can do some healing, but for a one-on-one personal connection and real liberty, it usually takes uh, a more condensed Opportunity. But Genesis 1.27 says
1: what, Pastor Ken? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them.
0: Well, his image, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You got the mind of Christ. You have the power of the Spirit, the Father. He's in charge of everything. But they're a three part being three part Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. Your body is what feels things. It has urges. It has cravings. People on drugs or whatever, they face a lot of times it's the craving. I know if it was cigarettes, it's there's craving for the nicotine. You know, a lot of people overcome a certain number of days of not smoking, and when pressure comes, they get a mental craving for something. They've already been freed of it physically in the body, but then they get a mental craving. Because why? Well, there are associations that come along, and you associate something with a bad thing in your life, and you feel the pressure the pain all over again. And so what do you need? You need something. And you know what it is about smoking, I'll tell you. Smoking is the act of sucking. Now follow me. It's it's just like a baby on a mama's nipple. I hope nobody's offended by what I'm saying. But it's that sucking that gave that baby comfort. And so it's like all the way back, into your emotions when you're very small somebody smokes a lot they, they get they, you know it's that sucking that makes them feel some comfort I'm sure the smoke in the lungs isn't giving them that much comfort the nicotine maybe has a little substance that gives you a little bit of an edge or a little bit of a high but psychologically it's the action of sucking on the cigarette. see? or on a marijuana joint, whatever, you know. Uh, that is the thing that sets you off, you know, into that craving. But there is a way, you know, that we we got to deal with all three parts. Spiritually, God has made us free. All right? Spiritually. You've been saved, accepted into the kingdom. He's forgiven all your sins. But then in the soul realm, you have your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so that's the throne of who you are and who's sitting on that throne. Is it Lucia or is it God? Is it Timmy or is it God? Is it Anna or is it God sitting on that throne? You know, now if somebody's got demons, then it's the devil sitting on that throne that's controlling and pulling the strings like a puppet master, see? And that's why people allow the enemy to come in. Now, if I own a piece of land out in the country in the middle of somebody else's land, then they've got to legally give me a right-of-way from the main highway to get back to my land. So they've got to allow a little road to be made across their property for me to get to my property that was sold to me that's in the middle of their property. We well, see the enemies like that. If you have given him territory, then he has authority to demand a right of entry to get to his territory. Now, in people, there are many different areas. All right, in the mind, and the will and the emotions, you have areas. Physically, we we have a reaction to what's in our mind. You know, whether it's you know, drinking alcohol gives you a buzz or makes you feel good or or whatever. It could be any addiction that could cause a person, or it could be an event or trauma that happened that you need to have comfort in. Something gives you comfort. And so, you know, and it could be in relationships. The person gets in a relationship, and they're always getting in a relationship because they need the comfort. They don't know how to be single. They don't know how to stand in the Lord. You know, uh, my mom worked all the time, and yet I knew she loved me. Sometimes I'd sneak up behind her and you know, tickle her or something, she'd, you know, and she'd say, oh, stop that, you know, when I was a teenager. But we were not huggers unless it was just saying, hey, and a relative comes in, you give them a hug, you know. To this day, now, I, I tend to hug a little easier now, but there was a day when I was not comfortable hugging, you know. You remember, he came up in the same era and the same family, uh, We could laugh, we had a great response to laughter, but hugging, no, 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 I'm not going to hug you. (laughs) Uh, So what does God do? He calls me to go to work in a spirit-filled ministry in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is a French community, basically, or French, Italian, whatever. And uh, every time you see somebody... At least if I'm a male, I've got to greet that woman with a kiss on the cheek. And a lot of the younger men would kiss the older men on the cheek too or they'd give their parents a kiss on the cheek, male or female. Man, that messed with me. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't used to that, having to give somebody a kiss hello and a kiss goodbye, you know. And the only time I ever wanted to kiss somebody is because I thought they were pretty, not because I was saying hello or goodbye. You know, uh, it just didn't compute. He made me live there five years, so I'd get used to it. And so I got used to it, and then I'd start trying to act that way, and I'd come, they'd think I was strange. Yeah. But that's their culture. I kind of think they had the culture right. You know, there was breaking a barrier, you know, to where you could be friendly and not be sexual about it. Because many people, if anything even came close to hugging or kissing, they'd get rigid almost, you know, because there were hurts or fears. And so sometimes if a woman had been traumatized in her childhood, she had a hard time having a relationship in adulthood because she was fearful. And, you know, fearful of holding hands or, you know, of accepting affection. And the same thing for men. Men sometimes have been, you know, not treated right or being abused at home or whatever. And and so they have a hard time. You know, and, and so the emotions and the, The body, the soul, and the spirit, they all have to be dealt with. You have to find out where the trauma comes in. Was it just physical that became mental and emotional because it was physical, but it was your father that was doing the beating? Was it spiritual? Somebody would bring condemnation because the rules were so tight and rigid that they didn't even make sense sometimes. Man, my grandmother, my mother, my dad, uh, movies were off limits. If you went to the movies, you were going to hell. I remember when my sister dropped me off at the Rogers Theater. I saw my first movie when I was like 12 or 13 years old. (laughs) It was with Doyle Rexrode. A guy that still lives here in this area. But uh, we went, I won't tell you what movie we saw, it doesn't matter. But just going to the movie, I came home, I snuck in the house because I didn't want my mom to hear me. But you know what, she could always hear me, no matter how quiet I was. But, you know, you have this rigidity of rules that bring an uncommon sense of guilt that you can't be normal, you know. I thought normal. Not all movies are good to attend either, by the way. You have to have some good judgment. But I found it rather odd that my whole family was all for going to the Rogers Theater when Dave Wilkerson came out with the movie Run, Baby, Run with Nicky Cruz and how he got saved. And and they had the movie The Cross and a Switchblade. And oh, they were all for going to those movies. And so I had a battle with them about, well, if, if it's evil and a sin to go to the movies, why? Well, it's dark in there. Well, then all of a sudden the cross and the switchblade comes out, and now we can go into the dark movie theater and watch something because it's uh, talking about a guy getting saved or whatever, and that's okay. See how the mixed messages can happen. you got to become healthy in your viewpoint of life or else you'll have some kind of reaction, either in the body, the soul, or the spirit, you know. And uh, that's just a fact. And so these memories of certain things, they cause you to have a woundedness. And if you don't get deliverance out of that, and deal with it, and say, hey, that was just when I was a kid, and it really didn't mean anything what I did, you know. But the devil's tried to use it to torment you, or, or it happened to you, and guess what? It never happened again, or maybe it happened repeatedly. But now you're grown, you are not that person anymore. And God wants to heal that area that tormented you. And so the only way it can be a stronghold in your life is if it is a secret that nobody else knows and you don't even talk to the Lord about it. See? That's why it's so helpful to have somebody filled with the Holy Spirit talk to you about something that the Holy Ghost reveals to you and pray that the power over you is destroyed so it cannot hold you anymore. And you can see to where it shouldn't have that much power over the way you think or the way you feel.
1: Uh, Did we read Genesis
0: 2-7, by the way? Let's read it.
1: And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Amen. Man became a living
0: being. God breathed his life into man. But what's it saying? We were all made basically out of the dust of the earth. You know, when we decay, we go back to dust. Our bones eventually deteriorate too. But, you know, we're just made out of dirt and water, basically. And God breathed into us, gave us a brain. You know, he gave us a soul. He made us uh, human beings with feelings and thoughts. But See, in Luke twenty-one nineteen, that's another good verse. By your patience, possess your souls. All right. You don't want somebody else possessing your soul, do you? There's so many people I've done deliverance over that are so happy after they're free because they possess their own soul again you know, we call it demon-possessed or demon oppressed or demon-impressed, whatever. But basically, it's just demonized. When you have demons attacking you, either in your mind or in your body, they're using some kind of gateway to get in there to cause you to have a stronghold that you just can't seem to have control of your own life. Okay? So that soul realm has to be opened up and that stuff has to come out. And once it does get out, you want to keep it out. What did the Jesus say? The man had somebody cleaned his house of one spirit or delivered it and then seven more came back with that same spirit so there was eight spirits that came back in to possess the house because he never cleaned it out all the way or filled it up with the right stuff. That's why you can't just get deliverance and then not go to church or go to classes or, or get some counseling. You know, Miriam Passmore made it after being possessed by 13 demons and the last one was a lesbian spirit. She made it because she got counseling with me. She got counseling with Hank and Millie Bowles. She got into classes And she got discipled, and she took ministry school classes. And then I had her step alongside me, and we did deliverance over others that wanted to be set free from a lesbian spirit. And so she became strong. I'm not saying her personality changed. Just the direction that it went changed. And uh, she's quite something else, I tell you. God's really used her. But number five, the trauma leaves a wound in the mind or soul from an emotionally impacting incident. Like I said, in her case, as an uncle that raped her. Others, you know, I can pray over people sometimes and the Lord will tell me, when you were 12 years old, this is what happened. And boy, I mean to tell you, you know, it shakes them up when the the Lord shows me things like that. Because it just comes in and crushes that structure that's tried to keep them bound. But what happened? I didn't go and seek them out to cast it out. They came to the front usually in a service or in the office to see me and they opened up and started telling how they wanted to be free. They came forward to be free. And so... It's pretty crazy how God does it, but it's awesome. But you have to be open. You have to say, I want to be free. Pray for me. I want this out. I want to be able to take possession of my own soul. Yes. You got a body and the soul inhabits it. And you got people in the world that are and see it gets and I'm gonna show you this in just a second, but let's let's go on, because I got to get to that point here in number 10 but
1: number Luke 10:34 Pastor Ken So he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him he paid for it uh, what it's saying
0: is that this man was ministered to and the oil and the wine it represents you know the healing and the Holy Spirit doing the work, you know, in him. But that was a good Samaritan. We have people that can be good Samaritans to one another that can help a person come out of their woundedness. And I tell you what, when you don't hold anything back and you've emptied yourself of it, you know, I think I told you the story of the man who came to me I know I told it to you. I'll mention it just briefly. But he came to me after hearing me preach, and he said, You think I can really be saved? I said, Well, why not? His name was Kenny. And uh, he said, Well, I'm a plumber by day, but I work for the mob, the mafia. He said, I'm a hitman. Now, when somebody tells you that, you either think one or two, three things. One, this guy's crazy. And he's got some wild imagination. Or two, he's just a liar. Or three, he's the real deal. And so I was looking at him. I said, well, sure, God can forgive you of that. And so he he confessed. We prayed the sinner's prayer. He wept with tears. He was sincere. And then that was on a Thursday after being there on a Wednesday night. And then on Sunday, I asked the guy from, he had met him in Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, and uh, I asked Tim, I said, where's Kenny? He said, oh, Pastor, they found him out in the avocado groves with his hands tied behind his back and bullet in the back of the head, two or three bullets. They had executed him because the mob was fearful that he was going to start spilling the beans Because he got religion, maybe convicted over what he did, and they'd start telling about it. Well, he told me, but he didn't give me no details. I was kind of glad that he didn't say it too much to where he got saved at. You know, somebody started looking for me. (laughs) There's another guy who was in the mob in New Orleans, and I knew his daughter. She got saved, went through drug rehab, Came to work in our ministry and worked up in the office. And she said, Oh, my dad. And she played for me. She is so proud. He had a voice message, mail message in it. Said, I'm so and so. And praise God, He saved me and delivered me from my sins. And I'll be at First Assembly of God on Airline 8825, Airline Highway, every Sunday and every Wednesday. And guess what? Somebody drove by on a motorcycle one night. That he pulled in his car, and while he was pulling in to go under the drive area, bang, bang, bang! And uh, then they drove off. Well, his bullet, his car was riddled with bullets, and it had just grazed his cheek. It almost killed him, but he was a testimony. And, uh, you know, the world doesn't like it. You have enemies out there in the world. But anyway, the human soul has three principles uh, surrounding trauma. And that's first, an impression. He makes an impression on your life. You can imagine somebody sexually abused that they don't have these rosy thoughts of getting married one day. All of a sudden, they're afraid of what's happening, you know. So, then the second is repetition. And then that trauma, they replay over and over and over in their mind. Then the third thing is association. What happens when there's association? They saw somebody. If it's a woman, they see a man that looks like the man that perpetrated him and hurt him that time so then they have an associate then they're always looking and associating their trauma to somebody so maybe then they can't even come to church or go places where they can get some freedom you know because of the act that hurt them anyway the memory gets recorded in the mind and the impression develops by that method i just told you into a stronghold now, Second Corinthians 10 and 4 and 5 says, Pastor Ken.
1: For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ.
0: See, so when something happened to you and you come to know Jesus... And then you get filled up with the Holy Ghost, then He has a method of bringing you out of that thing that was acting as a stronghold, and you can be delivered out of it. And then that wound gets healed, and it becomes only a scar. Then, if somebody needs a testimony, you can say, Yeah, I've got a scar, it's my testimony. And you can share what happened to you. You know, I can share things that happened to me because they're not wounds, they're just scars. Even as a child. Repetition acts in a way that causes a reaction to be automatic. So see, the devil tries to get in there because you've thought and thought and thought and you've dreamed and dreamed and dreamed certain things. And when you it, you begin to seethe. On the inside, you're angry, and you know it just boils in you after a while, because you're repeating the memory over and over, to the point to where you can't even deal with people, and so the the devil then he he causes your reaction to be an automatic reaction. Maybe that guy's fine. He didn't couldn't help it that he parted his hair the same way as the guy that you know harmed you. Or whatever, or look like him. But association, number nine, relates our present to relate to the memory from the original trauma. See? That association, that person, or that circumstance, or something comes along and it makes you feel like the same thing's going to happen again. And so your, your, your heart palpitates. What do we call that? What kind of attack do you have? and panic or anxiety attack and then if it happens enough and long enough then what they call GAD or general anxiety disorder will try to take over your life and a person that's got GAD they just get anxious over every little thing all the time they can't deal with being in the public so guess what they isolate they alienate and they're afraid to go out they're afraid to be around people afraid to be around the family Then they become a recluse. Then they get agoraphobia. They can't even, they're afraid of being around crowds or afraid of being around the people. So, you know, that original trauma, the devil tries to use it to stop them from ever doing the purpose God has ordained for their lives. If they were a singer, and yet they've never sang anywhere, any time in their life, Because they have so much fear associated with it. I apologized to a kid and his grandma one day. She wanted him to practice a song on the microphone. You know I'm a teaser. And so he practiced a song, and on the way out I said, Well, I sure hope you're ready. You're going to have to sing it in front of me. And I caught myself right when I said it. She called me later and said, he said he's not going to sing. I said, what? Let me talk to him. I even went by their house and said, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything negative by what I said. You know, uh, I I was actually saying, I can't wait to hear you. You know, and I hope you'll reconcile. No, that kid would never come and sing. In fact, I don't know if he ever came back to church. And that's all I said, you know. But see, association. Somebody tell him, well, who do you think you are? you think you can go sing in that church? His dad was a drug addict and didn't treat him right. Well, So I can imagine how when I said, well, you know, you're going to have to sing in front of me on Sunday. I was going to let him sing a special. And that just, you know, boy, that just boogered him up. I don't know. I wasn't given the chance to try to help him any further. Sometimes you need to make me stay in the office when somebody's going. Mm -hmm. Bye. Hallelujah. John 14, 30. What's that say?
1: I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Well, Jesus was saying, if...
0: The devil doesn't have anything in him. He can't get anything, can't get away with anything with him. You see, Jesus wouldn't even commit to some in John chapter 1 or 2, I think it is, where he said, I couldn't commit to the multitude because I know what was in them. He can only commit as disciples to those that are truly committed to him. He can love the world, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But at the same time, he can't commit. Somebody says, well, I'm going to be a preacher. Well, are you ready to pay the price? Because Pastor Ken and I know what that's like, to pay the price, to being a preacher. You know, Anybody can preach a testimony or witness, as we call it, to the world. But if you're gonna stand in the pulpit and preach, guess what? Every devil that hates you is gonna start coming at you in every way possible to try to hang you up so that you can't be able to do that ministry that you feel called to. You know. And I'm not saying we're Teflon. Boy, we you gotta put on your armor all the time. Sometimes you suffer because there's been chinks in your armor and it's hurt. And then you have to get over it. You have to be healed of it, and so on. But here, number 10, the steps of the stronghold association. When you have associations pop up that remind you of the stronghold that you had to deal with, it becomes trauma. The association of the trauma that happened, the rejection that you feel sometimes, and then it turns into unforgiveness. So that that person hurt me. How can you? How can I forgive them for what they did? You know, I rode that lawnmower praying for that one guy in 1996. I prayed for that dude every day, and finally. He Holy Spirit said, stop. And I said, I stopped my lawnmower. And I said, what? He said, you don't have to pray for him anymore. I said, why not? Because you don't have any malice against him. You don't have any anger towards him anymore. You forgive enough by faith, eventually it will come through in your emotions. And then you can get over it. So unforgiveness happens. Curses follow unforgiveness. Did y'all know that? If you don't forgive, Jesus can't forgive. You hang him up, it's like witchcraft. And then curses start coming towards you. And for long, you got every bad thing and ailment you thought could happen to you. Man, I've seen people delivered of cancer once they forgave somebody that they held a grudge against. And that root was taken out of the cancer, and they were healed. Uh, There's a good book. It's by John and Paula Sanford. And it's about that thick. And I've read through it a lot of times. But they said, because they do a lot of deliverance ministry, they said that the fibromyalgia, How many of you have heard a lot about fibromyalgia? They called that the man-hater's disease because some man did something that hurt some woman. Have you ever heard of men having fibromyalgia? I hardly heard of any men having it. I don't think I've ever met a man that had fibromyalgia. It's usually a woman that has it, and it's because some man hurt her and wounded her spirit and there was a seed planted down in there that became a resentment and so then in fibromyalgia and there's good people there's Christian people that suffer with it they need full deliverance and healing from it but you got to be willing to delve into where was that original hurt and who did it and did you forgive them And work through those emotions of it. But the curses happen. Then a lot of people, if they're in curses long enough, they move over into the occult practices. They start calling the psychic hotline. They can't seem to get a breakthrough with God, so maybe the psychic can give them a word. And they they cross the line. And they start delving into the occult, you know. You know, things, those doors get opened up even when you're young. A lot of I remember the neighbor next to me had a Ouija board and I told my mom, she said, Don't you go over there anymore. That thing's witchcraft. Back when I was seven or eight years old, they wanted to play that thing. It was spooky. I got out of there. Yeah. Some people played the Ouija board. That was that was a game board. It made them feel like it's okay to get into the witchcraft. And then, before you know it, they're into other things. People like to play with seances. Let's see if we can get a relative to come back and talk to us. And they all sit around and turn the lights down low or burn a candle. You know, all that's dangerous. It opens doors, and they use physical objects. I remember a lady come to me, and she was so mad her husband he was cheating on her, and and she was from a, a different culture than. We were from there in Miami. I think maybe from Bahamas or Jamaica or somewhere, one of the islands. And she said, "I went home, Pastor, and I poured salt under his pillow." You did what? Yeah, that was an old wives' tale that you know you could make them get right. Well, salt in witchcraft—it's your your putting it to death you're condemning it to death what do you do with salt usually besides eat with it but you throw it down on the ground to melt the ice and so on trample on it but salt that was that's something used in witchcraft and I told her I said "You're you're doing witchcraft against your husband sure enough two or three weeks later he moved out and he never came back and they got divorced physical objects you know What do you think they do in voodoo? They put a little pin in the doll, and maybe they put it right where your liver is, or maybe they put it where your kidney is, and all of a sudden that person starts having trouble because they're not serving God. Yeah, there's real stuff happens in witchcraft. Voodoo, Santeria, uh, you know, outright Satanism. But then it leads to sin. And then the person's away from God altogether, but a person can be bound in one area while they're totally free in other areas, and they wonder why can't I stop this one thing? They're doing great in every other area of their life, but man, maybe they're a closet gambler. I had a man went to church here for a while, you know. He he always had something to tell me after church, and and always trying to tell me some big thing you know and he told me one day he came to the office and I forget why he come in there for but he come he said well you know I got to tell you pastor I like to go by the casino once in a while over there in Carruthersville or wherever is that where one I miss I think that's where he said he went and he said and I win I said I wouldn't be caught dead in that thing you know what they try to get you to do because I had some young adults in, my, in the Florida church I had to warn them about doing it they would sell you a cheap meal you could get a really nice T-bone steak and baked potato and salad and drinks for like five bucks at the casino why do they do that? they open the gate they want you to come in because one day if you're there what, what harm would it do if I go over and play the slot machine? And you win. Now, I'm not talking about you. You may have played the lottery before. Okay? Now I'm about to stand up because I get on my soapbox. It's hard to get off. You know why I've never played the lottery and I never will? Not even one time. Anna, do you know why? Because the devil hates me. And I would win. <laughs> and not only would I win, I wouldn't win no $20. It would be $10,000 or $50,000 or maybe the million, you know, that I can't be like the preacher in Chicago, and his he preached against the lottery, and his wife went and played, and she won a million dollars. He sort of, They said, well, you were preaching against it. What are you doing about it? He said, well, I had to forgive her. <laughs> he didn't mind spending the money when she won well you know what a terrible witness that was but that's why I don't don't open a gate for your enemy that's why I won't ever play the lottery because I will win Tim I could buy you a truck if I went and played the lottery tonight do you want me to do that (laughs) <laughs> but it'd be tempting, wouldn't it, if I said, Tim, if I win on the lottery, I'm gonna buy you a truck. He might be starting to think, oh, I hope he plays.
1: <laughs>
0: no. no No, I'm just teasing. But it's true. See, the devil knows you. But see what he does, he wouldn't let me win the million probably, he'd just let me win thousand star with. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe I won 1000 What can I do with that $1,000? Oh, I'll tithe. I'm going to give my $100 to the church. I had a lot of people tell me, Pastor, you know, if I win the lottery, I'll give you enough money, you can do your vision. I said, you don't have enough money to do the vision God's called me to. And I don't even want that kind of money. You know, the Bible even says something about ill-gotten gain. I said, if somebody's given money from the lottery, I don't know of it. And if it came in, it came in. The Lord washed it clean, I guess. But they didn't tell me about it. If they told me, I'd probably give it back to them. Tell them, go throw that in the dumpster somewhere. Yeah, but you could give it to charity. Yeah, Give curses to people, too, if I wanted to. But, you know, what does the devil do? He's destroyed people by that. I remember the woman up in St. Charles, Missouri. She got to plan going to the casino, and then she ran all her credit cards up, getting money on them. Then she get, took out money against their mortgage, and then her and her husband ended up fighting over all that. She lost all that money. They lost their house, and then they ended up getting divorced, and she was so off she lost, kids and for long she committed suicide because what does the devil want to do? He wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to destroy that woman's reputation. She was a good mother and wife at one time but the casino atmosphere and the gambling and trying to get more money from it destroyed her and it's destroyed a lot of people. You know, they say, well, we're going to let them have them because we're going to charge a certain percentage for education in our state. You know, I haven't noticed that the schools have gotten any better since they started having all these casinos and the lotteries. Have you? Hadn't made them any better, I don't believe. But you can be bound in one area and be free in others. So, it's and it's a torment because that one area torments you. You know. But number 12, we must let the Holy Spirit reveal the associations that we have with the wounds, the traumas, and have the Holy Spirit cut it away. You know, he is good at his job, isn't he? He really is. And he wants you to be free. Amen? All right. I don't know if there's two or three people tonight that you are desperate to get freedom in some area. Because I don't want to... I mean, we can pray. Let me pray for everybody first. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, you are the one that shines your light internally in us and reveals things to us that we need to be free of. And I ask you to start doing that right now. Just show people in this room right now what the trauma was and allow them to see it and know that you were there with them. Show them so they can reveal it to the Lord and allow you to cut it off, cut it out of their life. It might have caused them to get into sin because of it, but I ask you to reveal it to them right now in Jesus' name. And I ask you just to allow some of them right now to have that experience of freedom tonight. I ask it, Jesus. Hallelujah. tell you what let's do if you saw something you don't have to call out what it was or anything but if the Lord showed you something showed you where that entry point was or what the trauma was that caused the pain in your life that has tried to control you what was that beginning point if you saw something you don't have to say anything just stand up where you're if the Lord showed you something. Okay? Anybody else? Jesus, right now, Lord, I just ask you to show others there was a trauma in their life that happened that has tried to torment them, try to control them. I ask you, Lord, to just show them, let them stand up so that they can be free. Thank you. Okay? Anybody else? I'll tell you what, the ones that stood, if you're so bold, to let me lay hands on you and pray for you, I invite you to come up here and let me do that tonight. And we don't have to shout it out to the world. you know, you're the one that needs to know the Holy Spirit's doing it yeah huh yeah he can play softly just don't play a song that we know so we won't be singing in our heads you know what I'm saying maybe a minor key or something I just anoint them right now Lord, these three how about come up behind them because I don't know what might happen or maybe be ready to put a chair behind them or something I tell you what let's do let's ju- can, can y'all turn around and look and see the chairs right there just space yourself apart like a seat in between you and the other person yeah like right here there you go in there all right that way yeah well we anoint you and you know what? God's going to set you free of that tonight I want you to see the hand of God reaching down and cutting whatever it was Stephen away that that wasn't you that's not what was intended for you that wasn't what God had in store for you and your future but he's ready to terminate that thing and it's not to be a reoccurring thought or association any longer. And tonight we lay our hands on you just as if Jesus was and the Holy Spirit. And he breaks and destroys the yoke off of you. And no more will you think thoughts that are hurts or wounds, but you're just going to have thoughts of how, look, God was there. I don't have to, that's not who I am, that's just something that happened. And so we release you tonight from the grip of that event or that trauma. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory! Wow. Yes, Holy Spirit. That's so powerful. I just see his reaching his hand, your heart, and removing it. Now it's just a memory, but it's not an internal event any longer. He's externalized in Jesus Christ. And I bless you tonight. You are a child of God. You're a son of God. You have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Yes, liberty. Tanya, we just pray the Holy Spirit reached down just remove that spot it's almost like a spot on a white sheet and you just felt like you couldn't get that spot out of that sheet and I just see the hand of God just like coming in with the Holy Ghost bleach and he's just removing the spot and that memory and he is releasing you into the fullness of his love acceptance and forgiveness he's pouring that oil and wine into you like the good Samaritan did for that man on the road in Jesus name yeah terminate it Lord no more retribution no more self torment over it let it go my mother-in-law always said it let go and let God and it's real let it go and let God reveal how His healing and forgiveness is there for you in Jesus Christ. Be blessed and not cursed. You're a daughter of Zion. Hallelujah! You're a daughter in God's kingdom. You have full inheritance rights. Glory, glory, glory. know how awesome of a man of God he is and how he is a pillar in the house of God, how you've used him, how he's been a faithful man. yeah loves his family, loves you Lord, loves his pastors, he serves. He's a good man no matter what the enemy ever did to him or through him. It's in the past, and it's never to be raised up again. You remove that thing, that trauma, that thought, that event, that abandonment, whatever it is, Lord. You remove it out of his life tonight. And let him know he's in the beloved. He's a child of God. He's a son in the kingdom of God. And he's blessed and not cursed. Hallelujah! Praise God! Hallelujah! Glory, 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 glory! Now, if there's anybody else in your seat, you know, and you want to give something to God, just lift up your hands. Chris, you want something also? Yeah, let's get rhythm. Why not? How about? To come Chris tonight we thank you for the work of the Holy Ghost and how much he loves and Lord I ask you to just remove that traumatic situation and event and it turned and it got in his heart and it turned around and around and it's like a potion the devil tried to make to be like witchcraft in his life but Lord the anger and frustration that was turmoil in there and the torment and the way he was harmed Lord that's not who he is he's a child of God he is not what people told him he was even when he was younger he is a man and he's a man of God and from this day forward he won't what I say over you you will not go back we terminate the stronghold we by the anointing Isaiah 10 27 says the anointing destroys the yoke so that yoke on you is destroyed once and for all they'll look at you and say where have you been rehab because he's cleaning you out right now he's cleaning you up right now He's going to make you a living testimony. Yes. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. I feel the power of God just going through you right now. He says, you are not what you thought you were. That's in the past. Oh, that's just a story now. That's just a memory now. But it's not a wound anymore. It's just a scar. We say that you are alive for a reason. And you have your season ahead of you. And you're, he's going to turn anger into kindness. He's going to turn bitterness into sweetness, goodness. And you're just going to walk around trying to love everybody because God has his hand upon you. You're a son of God. You have a different DNA. You're not that person anymore. That thing was destroyed tonight, God. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you got anything in you right now you want to give to God, just reach up to heaven, right where you're at. Even at home, if you're at home feel like there's something, you just reach up and say, God, I give it to you. No more will be an issue in my thoughts. It might have happened 40 years ago or 50 years ago or 10 years ago, but it has no hold anymore. It goes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And you are free. Jesus has set you free. And the Word of God is going to make your life Change the way you think. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Isn't God good? It's a special night. You know, sometimes we just talk. We chit chat. That's what the Crossroads Boys would always like. We like when you say you're going to sit down and have a little chat with us on the radio show. <laughs> They listen to it while they're working or whatever. But uh, it's true. Sometimes we just need to chit-chat a little bit and let the Holy Spirit interrupt and do the work. And you're not the same anymore. You're a different person. I might have to give you a new nickname. Give praise to you tonight, Jesus. You're awesome, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your ability to dig down deep inside of us and relieve us of things that used to torment us. No more. That's not me. That's the devil. He can have all his garbage right back. So I don't, I'm not going to hang on to it. Amen. Well, all righty. Thank you, Randy. That's good. Exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. Praise the Lord.